All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Herbert, for the opportunity to teach the word of God today. And I want to welcome everybody that's watching online as we wrap up this series. Man, I've loved this series, The End of the World. And uh, today we're going to talk about the afterlife, the afterlife. Life will come to an end. That's a fact. Life will come to an end. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. Life will come to an end. In fact, life is fragile. If you've ever lost someone to an unexpected illness or to a tragedy, you realize how fragile life really is. In fact, in the Bible, in the book of James, James says that life is like a vapor that appears and then it vanishes. Life is fragile and then there's the afterlife. And the Bible teaches us that in the afterlife there are two options. There are two places, two destinations in the afterlife, and that is heaven and hell. There is no door number three. I just want you to know that today. It's either heaven or hell. That's what the Word of God teaches us. And can I just tell you this, that I don't really like to talk about hell. I don't like to think about anybody going to hell. It's not something that I enjoy teaching about, but it's something that we have to talk about. In fact, in the Word of God, Jesus himself, 22 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to hell. See, we have to talk about it. We have to look at the subject, the afterlife, heaven or hell. There's a pastor that was going to preach a message about hell, and they advertised it in the church bulletin on that Sunday morning. It was a Sunday night service, and and in the bulletin, they kind of made a mistake in the wording as one of these bulletin bloopers. But here's what it said. It said, at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Maybe you've heard a few of those choirs in your day. I don't know. But today we're going to talk about hell. When we talk about hell, people have a couple different responses. You know, some people, you start talking about hell, and they they just think it's a big joke. They think it's not real, that it's just kind of a big joke, and they kind of picture, you know, this cartoon character, the devil with the horns and the pitchfork, you know, poking people, and they just think it's a just a big joke. And then there's other people, you start talking about hell, and it scares them death. Man, fear comes over them, and, and, and they're scared to death. When I was a little boy... I watched a movie. This is this movie was from the 70s. It was called The Thief in the Night. It was a Christian movie and it talked about the end of the world and the return of Jesus Christ and and the tribulation. And I remember watching this movie when I was just a little boy, probably eight years old. And and uh, I got done watching. I was scared to death. I thought, man, if I messed up, God was going to zap me and send me to hell right there on the spot. I remember coming home from school and, and I'd walk in the house and if my mom wasn't in the house, I would get on the phone and I would call the, my dad's office. My dad is a godly man and I knew that if my dad was there, I hadn't missed heaven, alright? So I'd call and make sure that he was there. Because it scared me to death and there's some people that have a very unhealthy view of God, an unhealthy view of heaven and hell and they think that God is just some mean guy with a giant taser and he's ready to zap them. He's ready for them to mess up so he can zap them and just kind of take them to hell. You see, that's an unhealthy view. That's not a biblical view of who God is. That's not a biblical view of hell. 
I want to give you quickly today two truths, two biblical truths about hell. Number one is this. Hell is a place of eternal separation from the presence of God. A place of eternal separation from the presence of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, it says this, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. And he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction. Listen to this. Forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Forever separated from the Lord. I can't even begin to imagine what life will be like separated from the presence and the power of God. The one who created us. The one who sustains our life. The one who brings peace. The one who makes sense out of all of this. If you were to remove him from the equation, I can't imagine what life would be like. I think we would all agree as you look around the world today, you see a lot of evil. You see a lot of suffering. You see a lot of pain in our world today. And that's with the presence of God still alive and here on earth. Now, just think about it. You remove the presence and the power of God from the equation. Think about the chaos. Think about what life would be like void of the presence of God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17 says this about Jesus, that he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. You see, Jesus Christ, man, he is holding all of this together, our life together, this world together. He makes sense out of it all. And just imagine if you remove Jesus, you remove the presence of God from the equation, man, it would be chaos. You see, hell is eternal separation from the presence of God. Number two, I want you to notice this. Hell was not designed for you. Can somebody say amen to that? Hell was not designed for you. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. It says, then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. You see, hell was created for the devil, for the beast, and the false prophet. And guess what? These guys, they don't have a choice. Man, they're condemned. Man, their fate is sealed. They are going to spend an eternity in hell. I want you to know today, you and I have a choice. We have a choice. It goes on to say in verse 15, Revelation 20 and verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You see, you have a choice today. I have a choice. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Are you going to choose to follow him? Are you going to choose to receive his love and his forgiveness in your life? You have the choice to receive that free gift of salvation. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Hell was not designed for you. God doesn't want you to go to hell. I think we need to get that into our hearts. Just look at this scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2. This, this really shows what the heart of God is like in verse 3. It says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Listen to this. Everybody listen. Who wants everyone? Everybody say everyone. Who wants everyone to be saved? God wants everybody to be saved.
Not just all of us here at People's Church this morning, but God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You see, hell was not designed for you and I. God wants everyone to be saved. We have a choice to make. I want to shift gears here for a moment and talk about heaven. I want to talk about heaven. And you start talking about heaven and and people have different concepts of what heaven is going to be like. And, you know, some people, maybe they have a concept that, that in heaven, you're just going to, it's going to be like one eternal worship service. Everybody's going to be wearing choir robes and we're just going to sing for all of eternity. Now I want you to know this, man, I look forward to that day because I can't wait to worship my Savior. I can't wait to sing, to worship Jesus. But I just want you to know heaven there's more to heaven than just singing. There's more to heaven. In fact, there's, there's no earthly experience, nothing that we can experience, no way that we in our finite understanding can really describe what heaven is going to be like. But you know what? People, people like to draw comparisons, and it's usually, have you ever noticed this? It's usually centered around food. You know, people, they finish their meal, and they have a piece of chocolate cake in front of them, and they take a fork and they take a chunk of that chocolate cake and they put it in their mouth and they close their eyes and go, oh, I just died and went to heaven. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe, maybe it's a ribeye steak, medium rare, juicy. They cut into that ribeye steak, put a piece in their mouth. I just died and went to heaven. Come on. Really? Heaven is more than that. Now, Revelation 19 does talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I don't understand exactly what that's going to be like, but I imagine it is going to be an amazing, amazing buffet, all right? And I think there's going to be cheeseburgers with grilled onions and bacon at the marriage. I just, that's just my heart's desire. Don't burst my bubble, okay? That's what, that's what I want to believe, all right? But you see, there's nothing here on earth. There's no human experience. There's no way that we can possibly imagine what heaven is going to be like. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, I listen to this scripture. Paul says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No mind has imagined. Go ahead. Some of you have a, a very vivid, creative imagination. Go ahead and try to imagine what heaven's going to be like. You can't even begin to. He says, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven is going to be way beyond what we could possibly believe and understand and even dream up. So what does the Bible say about heaven? I want to give you a few things here this, today. The Bible says this about heaven. Number one, heaven is a place of beauty. Heaven is a place of beauty. Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to kind of stay in Revelation 21 and 22 uh, for the rest of our time here. But John, you have to understand this, John is, is having a vision of heaven, and, and he's doing his best to kind of write down what he sees and, and describe what heaven is going to be like. And I want you to notice these verses in verse 18, just the beauty of heaven. As John describes it, he says this, the wall was made of jasper. And the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. Now I want you to notice this. There's no cubic zirconium in heaven, all right? You're not going to read it here. It's not going to be there. 
He goes on to say the first was Jasper, the second Sapphire, the third Agati, the fourth Emerald, the fifth Onyx, the sixth Carnelian, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth Topaz, the tenth Chrysopase, the eleventh Jacinth, the twelfth Amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. Now catch this. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. Does that not sound pretty spectacular? I mean, you can't even begin to understand. I can't begin to fathom what that's going to be like. We can't even totally describe it or understand what heaven is going to be like. I just know this, that heaven is going to be more beautiful. It's going to be more breathtaking than anything that you or I could possibly imagine on our own. There was a little girl that was walking with her dad one day and one evening, and she was looking up into the stars and And she just looked up at her dad and she said, oh, daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be? You see, heaven is going to blow our minds. It's a place of beauty that we can't even begin to understand. Number two, heaven is a place of perfection, a place of perfection. Revelation 21 and verse four says this, that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. He's going to wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain because all of these things are gone forever. You know, there may be some of you today that you live with chronic pain. Maybe you got a backache or or a knee ache or an elbow ache or whatever kind of ache and you live with chronic pain and and it keeps you from doing some of the things you, you want to do in life. And I have good news for you today. The Bible says that there's not going to be any more pain in heaven, no more pain in heaven. It's a perfect place. It says that there's no more death. If you've lost a loved one, you've lost somebody that's close to you, you know the pain that you experience when you lose somebody. Guess what? That pain won't be around anymore. There's no more death in heaven. It is a perfect place. It says that there's no sorrow. What is it that brings sorrow here on earth? Starvation, disease, war, conflict brings sorrow here on earth. Guess what? There's not going to be any more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. And the best part about it is it says in the word of God that Jesus Christ will be there and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Heaven is a perfect place. Look in verse 23. I love this. It says, and the city has no need for the sun or the moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The glory of God illuminates the city. No need for the sun. No need for the moon. We, in heaven, we don't have to worry about global warming. All right? Come on. We don't have to worry about the sun losing out of, of its energy because the glory of God illuminates heaven. In fact, I just believe this, that, that there's going to be perfect weather all the time. You know, when I moved to Oklahoma, my family, we moved from the West Coast and we moved here in the middle of January this past year. And let me just say, I wasn't really impressed with the weather. I just have to say, I'm just saying today, I wasn't impressed with the weather. We moved here and like a week later, we had an ice storm. School was closed for like a week. We followed the ice storm. We had tornadoes. You know, the tornado sirens going off. I'm getting my kids. We're going down into this shelter at, at our house and we have a 70 pound boxer dog and, and that dog did not want to come into the shelter. The kids are saying, daddy, get the dog. I'm carrying this big old dog down into, 
I wasn't impressed with the tornado sirens. We get done with the tornadoes, then there's hail, hailstorms. Then, then we have floods. And you know something? Every single time that we'd have a weather outbreak, Pastor Herbert would text me and he would say, Welcome to Oklahoma. But I just believe heaven, the word of God says that heaven is a perfect place. The glory of God is going to illuminate the city. It's going to be a perfect environment. Verse 27 in Revelation 21, it goes on to say this. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing evil is going to make it to heaven. Let me just tell you, there's not going to be any murder in heaven. Maybe some of you, there's people here, perhaps you live in fear because of something that's happened in your life. And, and I, I want you to know that God can set you free today from fear. But, but I just want you to know heaven, it says nothing evil, nothing evil. There won't be any murder in heaven. There's no rape in heaven. There's, there's no child abuse. There's no terrorism in heaven. Nothing evil will enter heaven. It is a perfect place. That's what heaven's like. Number three, heaven is a rewarding place. A rewarding place. Verse 12 of chapter 22, it says this. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward. Everybody say reward. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Man, we all love to receive rewards, don't we? And when I was a little boy, I played Little League Baseball, and I remember the best part of baseball season was the end-of-the-year party. And when, when the coach would hand out the trophy, I loved getting that trophy. In fact, I still have a few of them up in, up in the attic today. My wife won't let me put them on the mantle, okay? She just won't let me do that. But I have a few of those trophies up on the attic today. My son is eight years old, and he just got done playing Little League Baseball a few months back here, here in Oklahoma. And and he played back in California, and, and he got some trophies there. And he, he's always so pumped, so excited to get those trophies. But here in Oklahoma, man, he came home, the end-of-the-year party, he came home with a giant trophy. I mean, this trophy was twice the size of any trophy that he had ever received before. And, man, his eyes got real big, and he just, Dad, look at the size of this trophy. I just looked down at him and I said, son, that's how they roll in Oklahoma, all right? They're just big trophies in Oklahoma. I want you to know something. That's how God rolls, too. He's coming. He's bringing his reward. Heaven is a place of reward. We have that to look forward to. I challenge you, stay faithful, serve God. Heaven is a rewarding place. Number four is this. Heaven is a relational place. A relational place. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, Then together with them, who's them? It's the people who have died before us. People who serve God, they've died, they've gone on before us. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Then together with them, I love that, there's going to be an incredible reuniting of relationships in heaven. Man, that brings so much joy to my heart. 
Just over 13 years ago, my mom was killed in a car accident. My mom's greatest dream at that time of her life was to someday have grandchildren. Our oldest child, her, what would have been her oldest grandchild, is turning 13 here in October. She never got to meet her grandchildren. Can I just tell you that I'm looking forward to being reunited with my mom? I'm looking forward to that day to be able to, to introduce my mom to her grandchildren that she never met. I'm looking forward to that kind of relationship that we're going to have a reuniting in heaven. I don't understand it all. I don't understand the dynamics of it. Will your best friend here be your best friend there? I, I don't, I don't understand. I just know this, that there's relationship in heaven. There's perfect relationship. There's no conflict. There's peace. There's perfect relationship. In heaven. When you start talking about relationship in heaven, usually people will ask the question, are there going to be animals in heaven? People want to know, is Fluffy going to be in heaven? Or Cujo, or whatever your pet is. And I don't, I don't know for sure. I, I don't know exactly, you know, based off scripture. I, but, I, but I think maybe dogs are going to be in heaven. Definitely not cats. I just don't see it, all right? I just... That's a joke. <laughs> Revelation 21 and verse 3, it says this. I heard a voice thunder from heaven. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. Talking about heaven. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people and he's their God. You see, God wants to live with you. For all of eternity. God wants to have relationship with you. Heaven is not just a, it's not a perpetual church service. God wants to hang out. He wants to live with you. He wants to make his home with you. He wants to spend time with you for the rest of eternity. You see, that's the opposite of hell. Hell is a place of isolation. It's a place of separation from God. Heaven is a place of perfect relationship with our God, with our Savior, with our Creator. Psalms 84 and verse 10 says this. Better is one day. Everybody say better. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in the presence of God than a thousand anywhere else. Guess what? Heaven isn't just one day in the presence of God. It's not two days. It's not two weeks. It's not six months. It's not ten years. Heaven is an eternity spent in relationship with God, in the presence of God, living with God. That's what heaven is all about. You see, it's a place. It's a relational place. To say, Troy, what do we do until then? You see, there's the afterlife. There's, it's, it's heaven or hell. There's the afterlife. What do we do until then? How should we approach this life knowing that we have an afterlife? What should we do? And I believe that the, the, the reality of heaven, the reality of hell should affect the way that we approach life today. It should affect it. Number one, I want you, I want you to notice this. What should we do until then? What do we do? Number one, live for God. Live for God. In Second Peter chapter 3, Peter is describing the end of the world. 
And he's talking about, and you can take time to read it, and I'm not going to read all of that, but he's describing the end of the world and, and when Jesus comes back for his church and how everything will be destroyed. And, and, and he says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way, verse 11 of chapter 3, he asks this question, what kind of people ought you to be? The world's going to end. What kind of people ought you to be? What do we do until then? And he goes on to say this, live holy and godly lives. I challenge you, live for God. Live for God. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're not living for him today, I challenge you, I encourage you to live for God. Put him first in your life today. Put your hope in him. Trust him for your salvation Today, live for God today so that you can live with God tomorrow. Live for God. You know, I've never met anybody that has regretted giving their life to God. Never met anybody. I've never met anybody who said, man, you know, I, I, I wish I would have never given my life to the Lord. Just, just doesn't happen. You know what? Here's what people say. Man, I wish I would have given my life to the Lord sooner. I wish I would have made a decision to live for God sooner. It would have saved me some heartache in life. It would have saved me some hurt, hurt, some pain, some disappointment. I challenge you today, what do we do until then? Live for God. Number two is this. Live with eternity in mind. Live with eternity in mind. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 What kind of people ought you to be? He's he's asking this question and he says, as you look forward to the day of God, as you look forward, really, he's saying, as you look forward to eternity, you look forward to heaven. Hear me today, friends. Our best hope is not in this life, but our best hope is in the life to come. Our best hope is in the life to come. Live for eternity. When you live for eternity, it affects the way you make decisions. It affects how you're going to spend your time and how you're going to spend your money and how you're going to live your life. It affects how you make decisions when you live for eternity. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most in the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, that they have become so ineffective in this. I encourage you, don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable here on earth. Saying, Troy, can, can we not enjoy? No, I'm not saying don't enjoy. Man, enjoy life. Live for Jesus. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friend. Enjoy life. But don't get too comfortable here on earth because the Bible tells us that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. We're just here for a short time. Live life for eternity. Number three, what do we do until then? Live to reach people. Live to reach People, second Peter, chapter three and verse 12, he's asking the question again, what what kind of people ought we to be? He says, as you look forward to the day of God, and he says this interesting phrase and speed, it's coming. He's saying, as you hurry this thing along, the return of Christ, the end of the world, speed, it's coming. Well, how do we do that? The way that we do that is we tell everyone we we reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, it says in verse 9 of Second Peter chapter 3, 
It says this, the reason that he hasn't come back yet is because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to come to repentance. You see, it's the heart of God. The heart of God is for people. The heart of God is to see everyone come to repentance, to see everyone make it to heaven. That is the heart of God. There's an interesting verse in Jude. Jude verse 23. It says this. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Snatch people from the fire. I mean, that's kind of aggressive. It's kind of, there's a sense of urgency there. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we get rude all of a sudden. That's not what I'm saying. But snatch, there's a sense of urgency as we reach people, as we share the love of Christ with people. Say you're at a beautiful mountain range, maybe it's the Rocky Mountains, and you're up on a cliff and you're overlooking this beautiful sight and and you see off the corner of your eye, there's a little old man walking along and you kind of look at him and, and he's got dark glasses on, he's got a cane and, and you begin to realize that, that this, this little old man, you think this guy's blind. And you're watching out of the corner of your eye, you're kind of looking over at him and he's kind of walking closer to the edge of that cliff, hundreds and hundreds of feet to the drop. And he gets a little bit closer and you're kind of looking over and you're saying, ah, he's going to stop. He, he, he's not going to, he, he, he'll stop. But man, he's getting a little bit closer. Is he going to stop? And he gets a little bit closer. And you think, oh man, he's de- he's definitely going to stop. He get, and he start he keeps edging closer. He keeps edging closer. And you look over, and all of a sudden, oops, there he goes. He didn't stop. And you see this. You see this little guy. He he, he falls to his destruction. Man, that's not what we would do, is it? Man, we notice, we, we would jump in, man. We'd intervene, man. We'd tackle that guy in the name of Jesus. All right, we we'd save that guy. Let me just challenge you with this. It's all about people. God's heart is for people. God's heart is for people. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that we become room. We start tackling people for Jesus. But, but I do want to tell you this. If Jesus Christ has changed your life, you have a story to tell. You have a, a message to communicate. And we need to talk to people and say, hey, Jesus has changed my life. And guess what? He can change your life too. We have to reach people. Our purpose here on earth is to glorify God and to populate heaven. It's all about people. Scripture says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, I love this scripture. You know this. You would, many people would know this scripture. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And it goes on in verse 17. It says this. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. I want you to, I want that to sink, sink in today. Not to judge the world. He didn't come to judge you. He didn't come to condemn you today. There's some here today you've come and you think heaven and hell and you think God just wants to condemn you. God wants to judge you. No, He didn't come to judge you. He didn't come to condemn you. It goes on to say, but He came to save the world through His Son, Jesus Christ. He came to save you. See, God's heart is for you today. What do we do until then? Until then, there's an afterlife, there's a heaven, there's a hell. What do we do until then? We need to live for God. We need to live with eternity in mind. And we need to live to reach people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray for your church.